We have arrived. We have arrived. Boys, we're uh, we're less than three weeks away from from the college football season. Yes, fuck yeah! You know, I've Let's been working. Um, you know, the podcast hasn't blown up the way I thought it was gonna. Um, it is what it is. I had to get my I had to get a day job, but I did read somewhere that the vast majority of sports personalities in the game today, you know, what they started as logistics. Third party <laughs> account executives. Well, so I got go. that I got that going for me. But uh, anyway, um, we'll jump right in. I, I haven't stopped thinking about this uh, this college football season since we're about five weeks out. A lot going on, a lot of movement, which we'll get into. Um, I mean, we're gonna have a fucking absolute season on our hands. Uh, we came out with uh, everyone on this show had their. Uh, their top 25s come out, published on the Instagram page. Um, kind of wanted to get into where we stand on some of these some of these teams. I and mean, we, uh, you know, the U- USC's, the Oklahoma's, the A&M's of the world. So, uh, Ray, I'll let you take the reins on, on kind of how you're feeling. You made your top 25. What are your what are your first impressions looking like outside of kind of, you know, the blue bloods that we know will be in it? Uh, maybe get into that a little bit. Right. Yeah. So looking at all of our lists, we all pretty much have the top three as the same Ohio state, Georgia, Alabama. So really don't need to talk about those too much. My fourth team though, the team that I'm high on this year, the team that you guys are going to hear me talk about a lot is Texas A&M. And I'm going to ride them into the ground this year. I think that this is their year. This is Jimbo's fourth year. Now he's got all his guys back. If this isn't Texas A&M's year, I don't know when it's going to be. This is I will never cheer for them ever again after this year if they don't at least come close to making the playoff, and that's that's my ceiling for them. Do you the think biggest, Jimbo Fisher is a good coach? I do. I think he's a good coach and a good recruiter. What what so, constitutes coming close to playoffs? How close do they have to be for you to not root against them? Top six in the playoff poll. Okay. So well, man, why do you huh? think Jimbo's a good coach? I mean, I think his resume speaks for itself. I mean, seven years at Florida State, I'm a national championship, four ACC championships. He was 60 games over 500. He finished top 10, I'm pretty sure, six of the, five or six of those years. So, I mean, he turned that program around. He, came, this, he gave Texas A&M their best record his first year at Texas A&M that they've been in the SEC. So, he definitely is turning that program around, and you proof of was it was it last year they beat Alabama. They lost some bad games, I know Mississippi State, but beating Bama is a huge accomplishment. He's the only coach that has been on Saban's staff that has went on to beat him. So, and they got a little beef going this year, so I'm pretty sure he's going to have the boys riled up for the Bama game when they come. They're playing in Bama. That's going to be the game of the year. I'm telling you right now. I mean, all right, what jumps out to me is I just pulled up their schedule here. Let me take you through it real quick. We got we got week three, all right? They are home against Miami, Florida. Now, Miami hasn't been great in the past a couple of years. We know that. But they're, people are pretty high on them this year. I think it's fair to say that could be a challenging game. 
could give the Aggies a little run. Next week, the week after that, still at home, they got Woo Pig Suey and the Arkansas Razorbacks coming into town. Now, that team's looking good. You know, a lot of people are high on them as well. So that's two games in a row. Then they go to Mississippi State, which, to your point, they struggled against last year. And assuming that this game's at Mississippi State, I guess it was at home last year. Week after that, a road trip to Bama. Road trip to South Carolina, which we know cannot be easy. Just ask the Georgia Bulldogs how that was a couple of years ago. Was not. And that South Carolina team was dog shit. So imagine like a good South Carolina team, a decent one. I mean, they're, they're, after this season uh, to imagine that. Let me, uh, first of all, then they, I don't, then they I don't, got I'm Florida. Not... Hold on. Then they got Florida. Right. And then at Auburn. And then, okay, thank God the, uh, the SEC schedules hard powerhouse teams like UMass. Yeah, and then they end the season. Human. Then they end the season Thanksgiving weekend with a home game against LSU. You know, it's the SEC and it's tough football. I'm just curious to see how a team can go from. I, I get that he t- took the team in like a, the right direction and he's been moving there. I, I just think it's a big leap to bring in. You know, they have the class, they have the talent. Number one, probably best recruiting class ever signed. You think those guys are day one players who are going to make an impact and allow you mm-hmm. to have the experience to win those games, even those nitty gritty games or you're on the road or at home against a tough team like Miami, Florida. I just don't see them tying it together. I honestly see like another nine and three season. I don't think they get double digits. I see. I see what you're saying totally, but I think that they're at the level this year of like defensively, especially they, their biggest quarter question is that quarterback. I think their defense is very strong. I think they're in a similar situation to where Georgia was in the last couple of years. Those teams, Georgia, Bama, they take care of an SEC schedule. I think this is the year Texas A&M gets to that level and takes care of their schedule. Mississippi State is a poverty program. I think they roll them. LSU, I think they roll them. Miami, Florida, I think they roll them, even though Miami's getting a lot of love. I think their two hardest games, like you said, Bama and sneakily Arkansas. Arkansas is another yep. one of the teams that I have really high on my rankings. Uh, KJ Jefferson is a beast. I think he's going to just absolutely terrorize the SEC. But I think I think they pull out all the wins, and I think I think maybe they have one loss to either Arkansas or Bama. And I honestly do think they'll beat Bama this year again. I think I think that they're gonna ha- he's gonna have the boys fired up and riled up. That's so, that's my hot take. That's my hot take. So I. I like the I like that kind of discourse right there because it does go both ways in terms of you you know you highlight what the games that are going to be tough and obviously Ray you've you've seen the schedule you you just see them coming out on the right side of those tough games and I think I mean every in our lifetime virtually since we've been watching the great game of college football any team that gets post that has postseason success out of the SEC, it comes down to the game in Tuscaloosa that season that they play against Bama, or, I mean, if Tuscaloosa is visiting them, but it comes down to that game where they have to prove it against Bama. Every single team, every single year. What happened, what, I think exactly 10 years ago, A&M had a absolutely phenomenal class, huge, huge team, Johnny football takes the reins. You got guys like Mike Evans on the outside, who is one of the best college receivers I've ever seen. He actually was underrated because Johnny football was Johnny football. He was the sensation, you know, phenom, but 
what happened? They take the game from Bama. That was it at the 12th man. But no one knows what to think anymore when Bama goes down because you almost put out into the world before every season, okay, who's Bama playing in the college football semifinal? You know, because they're either going to be yeah. 10, 11, 12, and whatever it is. So I do think that anytime you're talking about a team that's not Alabama in the SEC, you have to just key in on – you don't even have to think about these, you know, secondary tertiary games like the Miami game. I think you do if you really think that they can win a national championship. But if you're thinking like, okay, this is A&M's year to do something, I, they cannot lose that game to Alabama and sniff. Even if they even if they go into that game undefeated, that is the mark of the beast, honestly, is winning that game. And I don't know, is it in Bama this year? Yeah. See, that that's that makes it a lot that changed the game a lot because obviously AM has one of the most prolific home fields in basically all sports. You know, you got 120,000 fucking motherfucking Aggies out there riding. But um the only the only things I, I see is I think Jimbo really got carried to I think he's always been a phenomenal recruiter and whether he's paying thousands and thousands of dollars to these players, like a lot of people think, it's really water under the bridge because they're playing. You know, so it really doesn't matter that right. those kids are taking the field this year. So that really doesn't matter. I think they won that national championship with the best player in the country. And it was a similar to that AM team with Kelvin Benjamin on the outside for yeah. Jameis they, when they beat Auburn in 2013. But I don't know that he's a guy that can that's going to outcoach the likes of Nick Saban or the likes of fuck. I don't even I don't even think it really matters outside of that. I do think they might have the talent to stack up. I think that comes down to Jimbo in that game, but they'll definitely be. This is definitely one of the teams that has had that is coming into a season with a recruiting class like you do not really see outside of you know the. Oh, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama's in the world. Right, you know, yeah. I guess my theory behind it is is I feel like this A&M team is better than last year's. And if they were able to beat Bama last year, why wouldn't they be able to beat them this year? Even given it's going to be in Bama. But I have this question for you guys. You think a one-loss A&M team, that loss coming against Bama, you think they make the playoff? No, they, no. Do they win the championship? No, look at the criteria. It's conference championships. Yeah. It's it's always has been. You know, if you're not playing in week 14 because, you know, it's 13, get the bye, you're not making it. You know, that's just what but, it comes but what down about, to. What if we've seen multiple teams from one conference make the playoff before? If they're not in the – if they're undefeated, if Bama's undefeated and Anam has the one loss, so they're not going to be able to be late in the losses conference championship. Count way more too. Late losses are – it's unfair, but late losses count way more. Do you think Georgia like died or something? Like, I mean, how are we not no, factoring no. Georgia in as the second or even first best SEC team? They did lose you know, half their squad. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, we don't rebuild, we reload. You know, that's what these teams do. Um, I do have an interesting question because you know I was going to save this for later, but Chuck, your little your little monologue kind of prompted me to bring this up. Do, do we feel over the last – I'm talking about the last three years where we've seen, you know, we saw Joe Burrow winning in 2019 with LSU, but then we saw Bama, then we saw Georgia. 
Um, Bama was playing a very talented Justin Fields led um, Ohio State team. You know, they had the early injury with at the running back position in the title game that might have been a, a factor either way. My point is, do we feel the floodgates might have been opened here? You know, looking back at the past couple of years, we've seen just Clemson and Alabama, all the talks about that. Is Georgia going to make the jump? Ohio State's always kind of dominating the Big Ten. But with Michigan winning the Big Ten last year, with Notre Dame being Notre Dame, with Texas taking strides, with Brent Venables at Oklahoma, with Lincoln Riley at USC, and then, and then Georgia just being right up there with Alabama and then Texas A&M kind of filling that Georgia void in the past couple of years, ready to take the stride. Do we feel the floodgates have kind of opened and it's really kind of a little more up for grabs? I hope so. I mean, the college football is the least parodied sport in the world. Like I was saying this to someone at work earlier, we were talking some, some college football. It's like, there's not what 125 teams that compete in division one football. There might as well be 10, you yeah. know, every year max. I mean, really, they're really just eight, but, and I mean, there's, you know, I'm sure we all kind of fall the same and, and how the 14 playoff is kind of a joke. Um, and it's the least democratic, you know, playoff format that, you can really have, I mean, outside of just picking a national champion like they used to, but I really hope. And I think, I think a lot of this off season has shown more kind of fervor towards like opening it up kind of to use your verbiage, which I love, but at the same time, the last three cha national champions are probably the three best college football teams I've ever seen that 2019 LSU team was the most dominant team of all time, 15, yep. 16 and 0. They blew the freaking doors off of everyone. Clem the Clemson and Bama teams respectively were fucking unbelievable. And I, I'm going back another year with Trevor Lawrence's rookie year when they won it. And then going to that Georgia team last year where we saw, what, 20 of the – or how many first round – first and second rounders. They had double-digit first yeah. and second rounders fly off the board. Like three of the most – unbelievable football teams that I think you could put in any year in college football, the 150 years of college football history and dominate. And that leads me to believe that the rich will always get richer, but I do like seeing, you know, a guy like Lincoln Riley or Brent Venables leaving, you know, a program that's had some of these, you know, most prolific teams of all time and trying to maybe, you know, like let's, let's level the playing field a little bit. And I think A&M yeah. grabbing just, absurd high school talent in the last couple of years it helps you know even though you don't have like as a college football fan not you don't have to be a freaking texas a&m fan to to enjoy the idea of there being way more races to towards the end of the conference season across the board oh, yeah i agree i think nil has really yeah. helped with that schools are able to get yeah, but also it's it's helping distribute the wealth a little bit, I think, because these schools like BAM, Ohio State, they're not getting all the top recruits only now. Some some guys are able to get some booster money together, get, get the players over oh, yeah. there. I mean, we the even baby, saw – baby mom in an apartment too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We saw – I mean, ex having the floodgates open too last year, we saw a non-Power 5 team make the playoff, Cincinnati. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, and that, that reminds me of something. I, looking at Charlie's list, Charlie, I think you're the only one of us that had Cincinnati in the top 25 at all, and you have them pretty high. You you think think they're going to have a little comeback here this year, a, a back-to-back solid years? So the reason I have them where I do is because I think they're going to get the – like. You have to give them respect. Obviously, Fickle has established himself as a guy that really will – he will be offered a tier one job, whether it's NFL or college. I, I mean, he can basically coach wherever he wants, like, going forward. Um, plus, they made the playoff. They basically did what every other team that gets into the playoff that isn't named Alabama, Clemson, or Ohio State does, and they lost by 20 points. That's what Oklahoma does. That bad, actually. Yeah, does. That's what everyone does. So they're, they're basically had a Notre Dame, Oklahoma-esque year. Really, I mean, honestly, the more that I think about it, they had a very similar season to those kind of teams. They had the marquee win at Notre Dame, you know, and they went – they had their undefeated season. I think the reason I have them – the, the reason I have them so high – um, is Ray, if you have it in front of you, what do I, what did I throw on that? I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure it was like 11. Wow. Okay. That sounds right. So I think they, I think they're, they might, they might have a problem winning the conference with Houston, who I think has a good team this year, but I think they're going to win. They're going to start off pretty, pretty decent. Obviously they lost some, you know, NFL talent, but they'll be ranked pretty highly because of last season you always get the benefit of last season and mm-hmm. you know they have the conference usa schedule or whatever the fuck so um i think their floor is eight wins eight and four they probably snag a conference i don't think they fi- i don't think they finish i think they could finish that high if they maybe lose a game or two if they they could lose two games and win their conference tournament and finish in the top 15. Yeah, I, um, see I just I think Houston beats them out this year just because of all the talent oh, yeah. that they lost. I agree. I agree. Hey um, Ben, where's Wisconsin and all this? Yeah, honestly, I was, where, I was where curious we get the I was curious to see where you guys had him, Matt. Chuck, I liked I liked that you put respect on him. You had him higher than I did. What do you have, Matt? Twenty-four. You know they're getting in there. I got him at twenty-four. I, I see. If there. I wasn't a Badgers fan, I would respectfully rank them. Somewhere in the 20 or 25 range, I think that's probably where they'll end up. Last year, they came in at 12. We all know how that went. Um, I have them at a respectful 16. I actually like it better when they people ranked us lower. Because usually when we're unranked or ranked low, we do better. The second they start giving us respect, we, do, we just play like garbage. We don't play up to expectations at all. That's why when we have no expectations, we play our best ball. That's just how Wisconsin's made to be. You know what I mean? We're not supposed to have the headlines and the cameras around us. We're supposed to be down. Ten football, you know I mean? baby. I know, but that's just not how we roll. My guy Paul Chris, you ever seen a Paul Chris interview? Probably not. <laughs> guys, the guy's got no the guy's got no personality, and I love that. It's fine. As long as he as long as he coaches well on the field, recruits big old linemen. I mean, this year it's gonna be all on it's gonna be all on the old line this year and Graham Mertz, the development of Graham Mertz, if there is any. I mean, we all know he's not a tier A quarterback. He's definitely not gonna go to Columbus and beat up on the Buckeyes. But um, I'm projecting us around nine wins. I think 10 wins should be probably where we should be. I mean, we play in the Big Ten West. I mean, who are we really playing here? There's, we shouldn't really have a lot of losses. Um, and then I think we lose to Ohio State by 
17 to 24 points probably when we play them in November. I'll take I'll, I'll take us plus 17 and a half if, if that's what it is. But yeah, I'm not I'm not expecting anything too big from Wisconsin this year. I would take I would take Ohio State by 30. As much as this pains me to say, and all of all the listeners and the viewers, they know this. I am a diehard Michigan fan. Last year was great. I think we could do it again. Don't get me wrong. But I think it's naive to say that Ohio State is not one of the single greatest teams maybe assembled this year. I mean, the receiver core is just out I mean, of this uh, I don't know. They haven't won a game this year. So you far. bring C.J. Stroud <laughs> back, projected number one overall pick. I mean, that, he's and my you lose, you lose two of the best receivers in franchise history or in school history. Gus Johnson's worth Jackson Smith. Smith Smith and Jigba, I will give you, is might be better than both of them combined. Show me a corner who can guard him. I don't care if you got a five star from AM. I don't Julian Fleming. Julian Fleming, fraud. Fraud. Marvin Harrison Jr. I haven't even seen much of Harrison Jr., honestly. Did he even play that much last year? He had the big bowl game. They rolled out the B team and beat the and beat Utah. They rolled out the B team. Yeah, that game was like 50 to 70, wasn't it? And TD every drive. That's all yeah. I'm gonna say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Buckeyes are tremendous this year. Like I was kind of getting at, I really think they're. Uh, I really think they're top two, and I don't think they're two this year. Um, they're my pick to win the national championship. Um, I've gone on record saying that I think if Michigan gets it done in the shoe against them this year, Michigan will win the national championship. That's how good I think Ohio State is. That's not any props to Michigan. That's how good I think Ohio State is. I mean, if you can go to the road on the road and beat that team this year, I mean, who's to say you can't beat Bama on a neutral site? You know, I think Bama's going to be great. You know, Saban's been on record using his classic scare tactics. Oh, last year was a rebuilding year. You know, the media's blowing it up like, oh, they had a Heisman winner and it's still rebuilding. Like, all right, that's just all scare tactics. He's just trying to say we're going to be great again. I mean, Ryan Day is a great coach. I think he's a prick. Fucking hate him sometimes, but he's a great coach. And but I just really think that the Buckeyes are going to roll everyone on their schedule until it gets down to the last game. My hope is that Michigan and Ohio State are both eleven and zero. Would be the first time since '07. Ironically, that game was in uh, Columbus as well. So I mean, Ohio State just needs it, I guess, to get by the Wolverines when they're good. But um, I'm going to be interested to see. Like I said, I really think that Ohio State is going to run the table this year. So there's there's two things that I kind of wanted to like get out there. One being, um, Beach, I'm I'm right with you with how I believe this Ohio State team could roll like the Georgia of last year, the Bama of two years ago, the um, LSU. Like I think they're that good, and I mean I think C.J. Stroud, um, without stepping foot onto a field in 2022-2023 season, is easily the best quarterback in the country easily um even even more so than um than Bryce Young uh in terms of just being able to facilitate the offense that you run um and I I know this is we have a Michigan fan a U of I fan uh and a Wisconsin fan here um obviously Michigan rival of ND Raymond Cashel who might hate the Irish more more than anyone else in the American populace which is fine. I mean, we've been we've been very good friends for a long time. It hasn't it soured our relationship a little, but not enough to you know 
to ruin it. But um, with what I'm saying about Ohio State and how good I think they are, there is a part of me that that believes that Notre Dame might lose by 45 points. And there is another part of me that says that somehow it will be a one score game late. And I think I think in that scenario, we still we still lose Um, like we still find a way to lose it. But the way I've seen and I mean, every year there's something new about Notre Dame that kind of makes them good, you know, like that kind of makes them a top six team, whether it's an insane O-line and the running back behind it, just, you know, going for hundred buck 50 a game or outstanding quarterback play or a couple guys on the defense, just, you know, like not up and start flying around the field. It's something new every year. And I'm not sure what it's going to be this year, but it, it always surprises me when you get three, four games in and there's some guys that are playing out of their mind. Obviously we have, I think objectively the best, wide receiver in the or the best tight end in the country but other than that Ohio State dominant dominates us but there is that homer feeling of mine that you know <laughs> here come the Irish you know what I mean it's it's not gonna yeah. happen it's not gonna happen but what a way to open up the college football uh season with two of the top I'd say three or four brands in college football. Oh, yeah. I, I honestly believe they might be top two because I think they have way more pull than than the Georgia, the Bamas of the world outside of their actual state. But opening up that game in the shoe is such an unbelievable way to kick off the season. I will be win, lose or draw. I will be absolutely fucking demolished that game. That <laughs> game. But um, what's the so- line on that game? I think it's growing by the minute. Honestly. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think as it should be in this podcast, half. it's gone up another two oh and a half points. God. But um, the, so I can't I'll, wait for alt line, alt I, line uh, by yeah. thirty five. I can't yeah. wait. I actually, yeah, I was this kid I've never met who's working in our Austin office, who I was in contact with a decent amount for work purposes. He's got the little fucking Ohio State guy like pinned with his name on Slack, oh, and uh, so I've been talking to him a little bit and. He's like, oh, you want to get a wager going, whatever. And because I, I saw that and I had to put the little ND guy up there. And uh, he's like, I'll 17 and a half right now. Like he was just, he just wanted me to take anything. And um, I was like, yeah, I'll get back to you. <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. Uh, the other, the team that we haven't touched on at all, the second thing, I want to hear what you guys think about this Clemson team because. Obviously, DJ Ungale last year came in as a five-star, top recruit, top quarterback. He was, by many accounts, dog shit last year for really no reason. After coming out against a good Notre Dame defense and playing a Heisman, having a Heisman-type performance in that game, thinking, okay, he's coming in the next year. You know, Lawrence is gone. It's going to be, you know, he's got the keys to the castle. And, I mean, Clemson was mid last year. What do what do we think about this Clemson team? They've obviously retooled. They got a freshman quarterback came in who maybe there's a quarter maybe there's a quarterback yes. competition at some I, point I, this year. No I benefit. like him. I like Cade. I really do. But um I was out on Clemson. You know, I thought for the same reason I'm like, well, this guy showed up against Notre Dame and to your point, put up Heisman numbers. And I mean it was ultimately a loss, but 
you, you would think there would be growth from there and, and they just didn't see it. So I have Clemson, I believe at eight. Yeah. I got them at eight. Um, I, Cause I think they're going to win the ACC, especially with no, with my guy, Sam Hartman, not lacing them up. Uh, hope you feel better soon, Sam. Uh, but I really think that, Clemson's a talented football team, and I, I really was low on them until I heard um, Dabo kind of give this interesting perspective. And, you know, obviously it's Dabo. You know, he's kind of out there and, you know, always has his back of his players. But he was kind of talking about how this guy's, you know, really never been like a loser. You know, he's a five-star QB. He was like, you know, top of his class. He really never really they lost. They all are. Yeah. He'd never really <laughs> lost, like, games and stuff. And then – you know, last year was just like growing pain, you know, like missing reads and stuff. And also like they felt like he didn't have the talent around him. Um, I, I'm not saying I agree with that, but I'm just saying it's an interesting perspective to hear that from the coach. And like I said, you obviously got to have your players back and stuff. But ultimately, I think the team will be better with Cade playing. I think he's I think he's a lot better. I'm excited. I really hope we get to see him play this year because I think he's a specimen. And I mean, they recruited him for a reason. I mean, I really think this could be flashbacks to Lawrence taking over from Kelly Bryant. I really do. I, it's the same kind of pretty much mold and player. I know he's a little bit more of a pocket passer than maybe Kelly Bryant was, but I think it's more about the guy who's coming in. You know, big presence, big guy, can throw the ball downfield, you know, D don't have those designed runs. But you see Trevor Lawrence take off like a gazelle, you know, when he was playing. So I think we kind of see that. And that's why I got him cautiously at eight. You know, I think they're going to win the conference, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I think that even if K doesn't play, maybe a little quarterback competition could push DJ to being a little better himself, which would help oh, him boy. out. And another thing is a lot of people think that this Clemson defense will be one of the best – will be the best defense that Sweeney has had at Clemson yet. So that, that yeah, but no Brent Venables though. No Brent Venables though. Yeah, Brent Venables that, made that the sucks. defense. There's no, there's not a bigger psychopath on the defensive side of the ball than Brent if Venables. You take one look at Brent Venables and can honestly tell me that you do not think there are just mongrel children locked up in his basement. You are crazy. He looks like skin crawler, psychopath, and I mean. It worked. It worked on me as an ND fan. We almost played them three times in one fucking year. And every time they're on the defensive side of the ball and they'd flash to Brent Venables, I'd look away. I'd have to fucking look he's away. He's terrifying. I'm like, I, he's not even playing defense. I wouldn't want to get on the fucking offensive side of the ball with him just coaching the defense. That guy's a, a psychopath. I do think that they will have a top two, three defense in the country. Uh, Brian Brisey obviously is looking at maybe a top two or three draft pick next year. Their D line has um, is reminiscent of the line that sent two or three of the top what two of the top like twenty picks in the draft a couple of years ago um, with Farrell and um, who was who was the other guy? I oh, actually I forget who their other first. Yeah, round I can't pick. either. But as we said, Xavier Thomas is clocking in his 10th year. Um, he's probably getting a pension from Clemson after this year. He's putting so much fucking service time there. But um, like you say, these guys, when you have guys returning for their second, third, fourth, fifth year, even when you change a coach, there will be that, gro that groundwork, that foundation 
where they know how this Clemson defense operates. And I know there's a different coach, but this is it's more so the the idea of this defense that kind of stays with guys that have played together for years. And I think, like you said, Ray, that quarterback competition will help. It never hurts. There's never been a there it will never hurt either guy in a quarterback competition having a quarterback competition. I think that defense makes them, you know, they will win the ACC. You could quote me on, they're going to win the ACC. Yep. Unless obviously Sam Hartman comes back with a fiery vengeance, (laughs) Um, but that's not going to happen. We saw he was a little bit of a fruit on uh, QB one. What that's seven years ago, but uh, yeah, I think Clemson's the wild card this year. And that's weird to say because they've been so they've been the, the second best programming college football over the last six, seven, eight years. Um, I think they'll be fun to watch. And um, Nick, you, your guy that you, you've talked about this kid for, for a couple of years, their, uh, their new running back. Well, Shipley. Yeah. Were you talking about Christian Wilkins earlier? Wilkins. That's who. Yeah. Wilkins. Wilkins. He's a, he's an absolute personality on the dolphins. He's a good player too. That's I think, I'm I'm high on Clemson this year, honestly. I think they bounce back. I have him in my playoffs. I had him grabbing the four seed by the end of the season. Personally, I, I don't know how the QB situation is going to work out. I've actually been following Club Day for a while because I, I always do the Elite 11. I watch that shit every year. I love that shit. He was, he's a dog. Personally, I think they're going to be way more of a running offense next year. I don't think they're going to air it out as much because they got the old line for it and they weren't running that much. They couldn't really run that much last year because they were losing a lot and winning games, squeaking out games by two points against Georgia Tech and whatnot. But I think next year, uh, Dabo definitely makes the offense a little more conservative. Time of possession was huge last year. They were one of the worst teams in time of possession in the ACC, and which they shouldn't be. They should control the trenches. Couldn't control the trenches. Couldn't really get a run game going, so they had to air it out. You know, DJ can't air it out himself with no protection. I think they kind of right all their wrongs this year. I think Dabo definitely went in and reloaded. I'm sure they're, I haven't checked, but I'm sure you don't even have to check because their recruiting class is always loaded. I think uh, an effective run game and a slow down pass game is definitely going to help them. Obviously, I think the X factor is the defense and then uh, most likely an easy ACC schedule. Notre Dame is definitely up there. Are, there, are they even ACC? They are, right? No, they're not, but they play this year. They do play this year. NC State, I don't know if you guys uh, caught on yet, but NC State's getting a lot of hype. Yeah, I don't know if the ACC is going to be a cakewalk like they are. hype this year, dude. It's crazy. I don't know where they're coming out of, but I mean, they had a good year last year. They got a good class and they got every returning starter there is imaginable. So we've never, I've never been, we've, we haven't been alive to see a good NC State team. So I don't really know what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah, I do think Clemson is legit. I think they're, I think, I mean, what it comes down to is they're a good football team. They're greatly coached. They have the players and they have a shit schedule. I I agree with you that they'll probably lock up the four seed. I think it's good that they're kind of getting this underrated, just climb the ladder all season and then, oh, boom, guess who's back in the playoff. Yeah. Um, Especially with, I think what could jazz it up. And honestly, what I'd love to get into here is, what I think might be the most electrifying conference this year in the big 12. I mean, I I'm loving Oklahoma this year under Dylan Gabriel, Texas with Quinn Ewers. I'm loving, I mean, Baylor won the dang 
conference championship last year, and I think they're being rated maybe the the, the worst out of these four teams. My other one I forgot to mention is OK State, who OK was State. right there with them. I think we all remember that conference championship game. That I remember we talked about it a lot. We talked about it a lot in the in the recap of the kind of the conference championship week, saying that was one of the single greatest endings in football games. You know, we really witnessed in conference yeah, if championship. You missed, if you haven't, uh, have you, if you haven't seen that game, that conference championship from last game, definitely go back to uh, season one. Uh, I forget what episode it is, but we yeah we break it down pretty well, so you can go back yeah. to that. <laughs> I'm just excited to see who's kind of break the mold. And, you know, I was talking to some people about this because I'm like, is the Texas hype, like, really real? And, I mean, look at who they got at quarterback. I mean, that's a guy right there. That's a guy who signed up. back in the country, too. Yeah. And that's a guy, though, who signed up to play Big Ten football. And it wasn't that he couldn't cut it playing Big Ten football. It's just for well, the reason we said that the best, the best, the number one overall prospects play their quarterback for this year and next year, right? Or, have you I ever mean, seen no, Quinn no. Ewers? Have you seen his hair? Like, have you ever seen a picture of this kid? Yeah, he's so Texas. He's got the mullet. I mean, I'm loving it. I'm buying in. This I mean, kid knows what the fuck he's doing. He's going to get, he's going to be very marketable. He looks, he looks like he's been hammering bush light. And raising a bastard child for like fifteen years, and he looks like he looks like Joe, he looks. He looks like Joe Dirt's nephew. Literally, I he needs some of those speed sunglasses, honestly. But <laughs> I, love I it mean, though. they got. Have you seen their line too? No. Fucking guys, I mean, outrageous. I haven't seen guys this big. I mean, at, at the line position in forever. I mean, it's, I think if they pair that with the run game while also with a quarterback who can really air out the ball. And uh, what we haven't even talked about is maybe outside of Ohio State, the best receiving room, receiving corp in the country. I mean, Xavier Worthy, they got that transfer. Worthy is Xavier Worthy is unreal. Got Billingsley, the transfer from uh, Bama. Bama, yeah. At, uh, yeah, they got him Chicago at tight end, kid. I believe. He's got to be the first so, CPS kid to ever go to fucking Alabama <laughs> to, for, to play football. Honestly, to go to uh, play SEC football. It's from Jacob. He won't be the last. <laughs> so, I but, mean, uh, look at that and take it as what you will. I, I mean, tech. if I had to just kind of wrap this up and say who my pick would be out of those four, because I really do think it's between them. I'm, I'm high on Texas this year for all the tools and the reasons I said. You're right there. Um but there's what a couple teams. In, what do you have I in got, the top 25? I got Texas mm. coming in at six. I thought you had him So, Beachler, to to kind of go off that, yeah, I think they I think they check a lot of boxes. And, I mean, Big 12 obviously doesn't get as much play in the national landscape in terms of the week-to-week regular season as the SEC and then the Big 10. But, I mean – Man, when those Big Twelve, when that Big Twelve season comes down, you know, like last couple, last month of the season, when you got, you know, the in years past, you got the Texas, Oklahoma, then you throw a TCU in there. When they're and you're just watching, you know, forty-eight to forty-five games. I mean, the Big Twelve is fun. There, it's fun. You got Gus Johnson on the call on a fucking late afternoon game on Fox, and it there, you're just the horn is ringing with touchdowns, you know, left and right, great calls, big numbers being put up. Um, it, it It's almost like Texas has become a meme. The Texas is back is like the most 
sarcastic statement, the most commonly used in a sarcastic way phrase in sports almost. Like everyone just throws it out. I put up on the on the page the other day, there's some some guy who like was there's some little kid's got a Texas shirt on. He's just going like horns down to him. But uh I do think they check a lot of boxes. Obviously Quinn Ewers has never played a college football game yet. He's the number one player. But my, one of my favorite players in the country, watching him last two seasons, he's in his third year. So he'll buy almost every kind of met, like anything you want to look at, he'll be gone after this year. But Bijan Robinson is one of the best players in the country, has been since his rookie year, had one of the greatest freshman year, I should say, had one of the best freshman seasons in Big 12 history. Marcus Dupree numbers he was putting up, the best that never was. I love that kid. You're talking about their line. I mean, if you're talking about a revamped line at Texas and you're putting back a top two running back in the country in his third year where he's kind of fully realized now behind them, I mean, what goes – like, especially yeah. in a in a Big 12 where, uh, where the passing game is king, it would – I would actually – enjoy seeing a texas team that is just like ramming it down in oklahoma on the dang ball <laughs> like i would love to see that in the big 12 if texas is ta- is you know winning games like 28 10 and bijan has got two bucks and two and two three scores i would love to see that It'd be some parody in the big 12 they they're texas they're fucking you know ut they get the players they have a good class they got some guys returning like you said worthy who I mean, he's one of those guys doesn't jump off the page in terms of like a preseason fucking board that you're looking at. But if you watched him last year, you know that he is a freaking dog. And that's all the eye test tells you that he's a top 10 receiver in the country. Bijan's a top two running back. So I probably I think I like them coming out of the Big 12, which I mean, any team you take that's coming out of a conference has a has a, a shot, assuming a Notre Dame team starts off 0-1, if you're not having to worry about a non-conference champion like Notre Dame getting in where we've seen, historically speaking, Notre Dame can get in if they have an undefeated season. They won't because uh, I'll tell you the Buckeyes. Yeah, they play the Buckeyes and Clemson and USC, which will – this will be the best USC-Notre Dame game in years. USC hasn't beaten us in like six years or whatever the fuck it is, but – I like this Texas team. I think that them in Oklahoma will have one of the better games that they've had um, in terms of scale to postseason, you know, relevance in a long time. Man, I love fucking talking about this college football season. It's going to be a fucking yeah. show. It's going to be great. Yeah. I was looking at their at the over-unders today, and I'm pretty sure Texas was like seven and a half or eight and a half. So you guys think that's a lock? Hammer. I mean, even if they take, like I said, those those are four good teams that will compete with each other. I think we're going to see two of them kind of beat the others and get to that 11-1 and one season. I think Texas, I think it's naive to assume they run the table because they are Texas, you know, and these, these unless you've really been Oklahoma in the past, you kind of always slip up in the Big 12. So I can really see Texas going 11 and one, making the conference championship, and then either playing like, all right, who's going to win? And who's going to win Bedlam? You know, 
Um, who's going to win between Baylor and, you know, those two teams? Uh, I just think it's kind of a toss-up. But to me, Texas really sticks out. If I had to rank those four teams, I mean, I already did, but I would go <laughs> – I mean, I guess I already did, but I'd go Texas, Oklahoma, OK State, and then Baylor. Like Gundy, baby. Yeah, Gundy. I mean, who doesn't love the mullet? I mean, who no, see a 40. mullet off? He's 40, dude. A mullet off Quinn Ewers versus Gundy. It's a mullet off. I mean, <laughs> who doesn't, doesn't want to see that? a mullet off. Gundy's John, got yeah. the best electrifying. Bajan is the best running back in Mason. It goes Bajan Ro- Robinson, 40. number one. Travion Henderson, number two. Brandon Allen, number three in the country right now. That's how running back rankings are going right now. We didn't even bring that up when we talked about the Buckeyes, but to Nick's point, Travion Henderson was probably – I mean, he stole carries from Master Teague, yeah. who every Buckeye fan in America would have told you, oh, we got this guy, Master Teague. Like, he's going to be the guy. He wasn't really the guy. It was Travion. So, I mean, to your point, absolutely. I, I really – again, hitting on the Buckeyes, I think they're just scary. Oh, um. Yeah, the Buckeyes, I I almost think it's it's so hard to say, like, because Bam- Alabama is Alabama and Nick Saban is still the coach, so, like, you really can't try to say, like, who no one has ever said in the, in the Saban era, really, I'd say after his third or fourth year, like, oh, I think it's going to be a down year for Alabama. Because you literally can't. A down year from Alabama, it? they've maybe lost two games – once or twice in the last 10 years, 12 years. And so a down year for them is a top seven finish, top eight finish. But when you're talking about this Buckeyes team, and I mean, we talked a lot about them today, but they get to play, you know, they don't have to play a SEC schedule. So they, which means that they have more cupcakes on the schedule, obviously, you know, kudos to them for t- for playing Notre Dame out of conference. Same with Clemson. I know, obviously, you make a shit ton of money anytime you want you play Notre Dame, and that's it's great for the program in terms of you know, rate, TV ratings and money and all these things. But a lot of teams, if that wasn't the case, you wouldn't see the Bamas and the Georgias playing you know the Citadel every year out of conference or the Georgia States like so. You have those out-of-conference games. Ohio State, you know, the, I don't know which Big Ten West teams they have on their schedule or even the even the down teams in the, in the East. But I think it's hard to imagine a not, uh, uh, this Ohio State team losing a game unless they get into a dogfight with Michigan. Like, I think that's the only way, and I think that's a lot based on yeah. just – like it being Michigan, like rivalry games. The reason they're rivalry games for the most part is there is the potential for like those fluke, you know, games that seem like a fluke. Obviously if you're a, a, like you are on the Michigan side, it's not a fluke. You were the better team that day. And that's completely true, but I don't see them really losing a game unless maybe yeah. they're playing Michigan. And, you know, something happens early, you know, maybe Stroud, you know, pulls up, with a hammy or something, comes out <laughs> with a couple possessions, something like it happens because that I think that's the only team on their schedule, unless maybe first, first, you know, drive of the game, he tears his ACL against Notre Dame, God willing. 
Um, <laughs> I'm, no, we don't root for injuries here. We hey, just, uh, we just ro- hope for them. This me too. How have we been talking about Texas while not talking about how week two Bama comes to town? I mean, talk about a game that could be great. I mean, normally you just assume like, all right, like, okay, maybe maybe the offense keeps it close. Like may, maybe, you know, Big 12, you know, good Big 12 team, they can score a lot of points, which really doesn't happen against the SEC. Why don't we talk about that Alabama D-line that's already pretty big and we know about going up against those big boys up front. Why don't we talk about Texas maybe controlling the game with that B. John Robinson run game? Maybe Quinn Ewers has a great breakout game. You know, the receiving core could have the mismatch here. I think that's going to be a lot better of a game than people really want to write it off at. I love it, Beach, because that's just opening the door for Texas saying I'm going to get in the playoff. Another Bama loss? I love it. I didn't even realize, Ray, you got some AM colors going on. Oh, yeah. It was so on, so, um, <laughs> so on purpose. So on purpose. Now that you you, you, were, you said that, because I, I knew they were on the schedule, I com- but I completely kind of lo- lost that while we were doing this. But let's say week two against Bama, freshman quarterback, looking to make a name for himself. I don't know about you guys, but I've seen this story. I read this story before, and uh, the guy that was playing the role – the guy that Quinn Ewers is playing the role of here is a guy by the name of Johnny Manziel. Johnny football, we yeah. potentially see, obviously, Texas also up there in the top four brand in college football because they are the horns. They come from the biggest fucking state in the country, the biggest football state in the country, the biggest you know, recruit producer, high school football, everything football yells Texas. You know, that that is what Texas – if you're a sports fan – the first thing you fucking think of in Texas is the football is different. You got this kid, Quinn Ewards, coming in. It's going to be his second game. I don't know who they play week one, but week two against Bama, that has the potential for him to become literally what? the most recognized Texas legend in a long time just for winning that game in week two of the season. They got Louisiana Monroe Warhawks week one at home. So he'll settle. He'll settle. But, yeah, I just thought that was interesting, just kind of in all that talk. Um, and, uh, Ray, that makes sense. You brought up their win total. I mean, it makes sense. When I brought up those three Big 12 teams they're going to have to play, then tack on Bama, that's maybe how we get to that. I still think it's a hammer because I think you said seven and a half, I believe. But I'm taking Texas. Exactly what it was. I'm still taking it them to win one or two of those games, um, especially within the Big 12. I mean – We've talked about it enough, but I, I think they'll be able to run the table in the Big 12, and hopefully, you know, it might scare the Big 12 seeing them really step up and play that good against the big guys in Bama. So one la- one thing that I did want, I think, is worth getting in here. Um, not my my soul, my heart tells me just don't even mention it because I have such a I'm so impassioned about how dog shit. Uh, the conference of champions is, and I yeah. fucking hate that. And I love how like, we saved them you for could, last. I you could perfect. You could wipe the fucking Pac-12 off the face of the earth, and like, what? Like, I'm, I'm. They're not all, losing they're a all leaving. I'm not losing a second of sleep. But obviously, you know, some of the biggest news coming since last year is USC. 
you got the moves, you got the recruiting class. Is the Trojan legend back in Los Angeles? Absolutely. Without a doubt. I mean, I'll give you three names. Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley, Jordan Addison. You're going to pair one of the best QBs in college football last year, who I believe was a true freshman, right? Yep. Pair that with the best receiver in football last year. Pair that with an offensive-minded guru. Pair that with a dog shit conference. <laughs> what are you going to get here? I mean, I think it's kind of comparable when you were when we were talking Clemson earlier. I think it's kind of comparable with what they're going to do in that conference. You know, maybe NC State's been getting a lot of hype, like we said. Pittsburgh's kind of floating around a little bit. Miami's getting some hype, but you kind of put all those together. I don't really think they're going to challenge Clemson that much. What do we have outside the pet? What do we have in the Pac-12? We have the Utes, who are probably going to be pretty good this year. I just don't think they're going to be able to beat that kind of Big 12 coaching style that Lincoln Riley's going to – I mean, Lincoln Riley's a phenomenal coach. You bring that to USC, pair that with the best receiver in football and that quarterback, I, and then obviously the other tools they have, you know, I, I swear like they're bringing in a new transfer every week in the offseason. Great recruiting class. I, I think they're going to be special this year. I, I think I, I got them – yeah, I got them at seven. I got them at seven. I think they're a top 10 football team this year. I think they win the Pac-12. Um I think over nine and a half wins over hundred percent. I would really like to see this year where we could see like, all right, let's get an undefeated, you know, sec champion. Let's get a 12 and one sec team. Let's get uh 11 and one or I'm sorry, 12 and one or a 13 and 0 big 10 champion. Let's get uh let's get a big 12 team who ran the table or maybe with one loss. I think we could see the power five, producing all teams this year. I think the power five could each produce a team that's going to have a conference championship and one loss. And I've been praying for this to happen because uh, the committee has just been getting away. And this is what's going to make it change from a 14 playoff. They've been getting away with one team, with one conference having a down year, you know, Washington's made it from the pac 12. You got Clemson sticking up for the ACC. You've had Oklahoma in from the big 12. I'm going to be interested to see where, okay, what conference championship is more valuable in the power five than another? How do you separate these guys? And I think it's just going to be very interesting, especially where you get to maybe down the line. Let's just assume this USC beats USC beats Notre Dame. Clemson beats Notre Dame. Okay. They have the same strength of schedule pretty much Utah, Miami, Florida, same kind of same damn thing. Who, who are they going to put in? At the four spot, you know, assuming like Texas runs the table, Ohio State and Bama, you know, does that get rid of then Georgia? Does that get rid of that? Finally, get the fucking second SEC team out of here. I hope so. That's what I want to see. Notre Dame is going to be the only team in the country. And I I don't think I think this will not even be come close to happening. Notre Dame is going to play three conference champions this year during the race. Yes, 100 percent agree. 100 percent. Like I know Notre Dame has been they've they've had a lot of years where it's kind of like obviously they play USC every year. And, you know, it would have helped us a lot if USC was a little better team, not good enough to, you know, beat us. But a, a USC team that wasn't dropping games to, you know, Wazoo and shit 
where it's like that looks like more of a win, you know, rivalry rivalry win. But when they've been down, it's like, oh, that's not, you know, any game special in terms of, you know, like strength of schedule and shit. But, you know, I love that. I love that Marcus Freeman. And I know that I know that this has really little to do with him because he's not the one calling the shots. It's not like fucking high school sports. But I love that Marcus Freeman's first year, he is going to run the gauntlet because, you know, you need to be battle tested and you're coming out first game. He's going against his alma mater where he played in hostile territory in one of the toughest places to play in the country. And then we got USC and I'm pretty sure it's in LA this year. It's in, it's at USC at the Coliseum this year. And then we got Clemson again, who, you know, we've developed a little bit of a, a rapport with over the last couple of years. You know, we played them, you know, two, three times, um, I think three times in the last three years. But there's a lot of games that I don't think have happened in the last couple of years in terms of non-conference, just marquee matchups. And I think that's something that will make this year very special. We talked about the, we talked about the Bama, Texas. We talked about the Ohio State, the Clemson, the USC, Notre Dame. Like these out-of-conference games that are huge, primetime, must-see TV, seems like there's a lot more of them this year. And, dude, sign me the fuck up for that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So, uh, hey, hey, I think – Charlie. Yeah. Who's, uh, who's playing quarterback for the Irish? Ask me that in three weeks. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but, dude, I don't know. It's, it's probably – dude, Tyler Buckner is – Dude, I don't, I don't really know what, what Reese is going to want to do. Like, this has been the most open it's been in a long time. Obviously, we we brought in Jack Cohen last year. I thought Jack Cohen was coming in as, like, a mentor for Pine and Buckner. And he ends up being our fucking starting quarterback all year. He was He might be the least mobile quarterback in the last 10 years of college football. And he wasn't, he, he wasn't that bad, to be honest. He wasn't terrible. I'll give him that. He made some good throws and shit. I have not seen a young 22-year-old man look less athletic in a pocket in my life. In at the college level, it's it's almost it's completely, you know, out of the game now. You don't have those oh. guys. Every fucking quarterback yes. at a big competitive school is a dual threat now. That's the way football is. And we had Cohen last year. Maybe maybe that's Brian I don't know how much that was Brian Kelly just being like Haha, uh-huh. like Jack Owens, our quarterback. I don't give a fuck. I'm about to hightail it to fucking, you know, Baton Rouge and fake an accent and do some bullshit out there. Um, which is actually hilarious that he's getting recruits poached from him from Louisiana to Notre Dame. Um, even though LSU is the only team that has really recruiting power in that state, which is hilarious. But um, yeah, I think I think Buckner is going to get a lot of the carries, and he is not a good passer. We brought him in only for running last year. So we'll see what Tommy Reese has been able to do. He's coaching a guy that plays completely different than he did. He was more of a Jack Cohen type. It's really not good when you got, Ohio, you're going to, you know, Ohio Buckeye territory in three weeks and you don't really have this whole thing ironed out. <laughs> it's really oh, yeah. it, it absolutely baffles me that Jack Cohen is on an NFL roster right now. He's got like, you got to be, you got to be desperate. Feet, yeah, unbelievable. Feet are webbed together. Really? 
Yeah, he has webbed feet. He's like a he's like a merman that can't move. Like a, a mutation. Who is he like, playing imagine for? Imagine a merman that can't league. swim. A merman with webbed feet that can't swim. That's Jack Cohen. And he can't really throw. Yeah. Just, he, was, he was really accurate at passes under eight yards in the air. But yeah. last last thing, um, I know we, we talked about top five. I want to get everyone's number one just print the money now future for this season before, you know, we get in before the season. Uh, it could be win total. It could be conference champion. Uh, let's hear, um, Nick, if you got one for us, we start with you on your best bet, your best future to ride with for uh, the 2022-23 season. What's Wisconsin's win total? What are we at? Nine and a half, probably? Oh, my God. Cut it out. Cut I think it nine out. and a half should be easy, honestly. We lose to Ohio State 10 times out of 10 times. We still get another 10-2. Maybe, maybe lose to Iowa. Have you seen our first few games? Nine, you play? Not even. Do we now play Iowa? Nine even. Oh, that's a lock and a half. There's no way we lose. There's no way we lose four games this year. We'd have to lose some shitty teams. We, we play against, I like, we play against Illinois State first game. That's going to be a 60-point spread. And I don't even think Wisconsin scored 60 points in the last 20 years. We play like we're playing like Southeast Farmhouse Juco. Some I don't even know, dude. Some crazy shit. We played Northwestern. Is going to be actually I don't know. Northwestern's pretty good. I think you guys play Penn State. <laughs> good one. Um, I'm not. I I I've never really been that scared of Penn State. Honestly, a few years they they beat us just because we were already done. We already know we're not going anywhere. But if we play Penn State in a meaningful game, I think we we win probably eight times out of ten. Sean Clifford, we make we made Sean Clifford look like he wanted to go home or go home from school early when we played him last time. Uh, I I just really think there's a we have it's, it it would take a disastrous season for us to win under nine games. Other than that though, I would take Clemson ACC championship in my opinion. Those those would be my two. Um, I guess yeah, I'll I'll throw some out here. Um. I was going to say going in, uh, my number one would have been uh, Michigan at nine and a half. I mean, Harbaugh literally just prints 10 win seasons. There's really no denying that. Um, also, oh, it's yeah. like, okay, what are we going to do against Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, and yeah, Penn State, Michigan State, Iowa, and Ohio State? Four tough games. Okay. So obviously, you know, you lose all four, you come in under your win total. You lose three, you come in under your win total. I really think it's pretty arrogant with two of those at home to assume that Michigan doesn't win doesn't win uh, two out of those four. I, I just think that's pretty arrogant. I think they're a talented football team this year too. So to me, it's like just take care of business at home and you hit your win total and then just take care of the junk. But ever since I heard Ray talk about USC's low-ass win total, hammer that. I I'm seeing initial ones off of Google search at eight and a half. I'd take them over nine and a half. I think they're going to have a 10-win season without a doubt. I mean, maybe a slip up to Notre Dame and at Utah is going to be a tough game. But outside of that, I mean, they're, I, mean I talked about it. They're bringing the firepower this year. There's, a, there's some excitement in L.A. that really hasn't been there since uh, Thunder and Lightning with Lendell White and Reggie Bush and Pete Carroll and the, and the boys. So, 
I think that firepower is back, and I, I would take um, to my grave USC's over. Yeah, I think that's a good one. It, especially if you guys are liking wins with uh, teams with 10 wins. I was looking at these totals, and on DraftKings, or on, on DraftKings, on FanDuel, they have an option where you can just bet 10 plus regular season wins. And my pick is going to be NC State to have 10 plus regular season wins. Last year, 13 teams in the Power Five where it had 10 or more regular season wins. And I think NC State with that ACC schedule, like we were talking about, it should be able to get there and maybe make a run even at the ACC title. We were talking about their how they're returning all their guys. The odds on that are plus 125. If you want to lock, their win total is eight and a half. I think that's an absolute lock. Take the over. And then another little honorable mention is my Illini over four and a half wins. They get, like we were talking about the Big Ten West schedule. They get to play Chattanooga, which yeah, is they're on it. Lap. That's why Chattanooga is going to be all over that ass. They always are. I know they gave us a little. Hey, hey, I know they gave us a little trouble in basketball. Yeah, I know they gave us a little trouble in basketball, but you know, Brett's going to have the boys going this year. It's his second year at the at the helm, so he's going to have his guys rolling. I hope. So this is going to be crazy for you guys that know me. Is that? I'm going to be the only one here that's not talking about my home. My I'm the biggest homer of all time. I'm not going to be talking about ND as my uh, my futures. But, uh, yeah, I know we, we touched on both these earlier. Ray, I was looking at the same thing, the 10-plus wins. Um, I just think you get better value there, especially with these teams that are around eight and a half, nine and a half. You might as well, you know, go for the 10-win season. USC is actually about even money to win 10 games. I think USC gets there. Beats the same same thing you you said. Uh, I think they I think Notre Dame keeps this streak. I think that I think USC might end up being Notre Dame's of those three their most winnable game, and I think they might keep. I think there's this Twitter account that I see on my page every single day that's like it's been two thousand eight hundred or two thousand one hundred eighty three days since USC beat Notre Dame. Um, I think we keep that going for at least another you know three hundred sixty five days. Um, but I do think USC gets there. I don't think they'll use, lose to both Utah and Notre Dame. Um, I think they'll, I think they'll win eleven games. If they do. That's ten. I mean, I don't get where they're getting this third loss from. I really don't. Um, is is Fresno State gassing up to be good this year? <laughs> um, I mean, at UCLA. I mean, I know it's a rivalry game, but. I mean, just from a pure talent perspective, I mean, it's not like they got Oregon on the schedule, who's an who is a Pac-12 team. We didn't, and I don't really think they need to be talked about that much. But they could ruffle some feathers, but so, they're not even on the schedule. So yeah. I mean, I don't get really where they're getting this maybe third loss coming from. Yeah, but. usually you can really like blueprint it based on the schedule because of how you know how on the ball Vegas is, like where you can, you know, exactly where they stand, the nine and a half, you know, there's, there's nine games that they will be, you know, two to one favorites on. And then there's three, games. you know, like, you know, where, why it's set the way it is. Um, so I think there's some value there. Also, like I came in thinking this and more so after us chopping it up about the, about the horns, two to one to win 10 games. Um, that's about the best value I see on this board for, for teams that I think are likely to win 10 games. Um, double double your money on on Texas winning ten games. They get on a little run. I mean, if they beat Alabama week two, 
Um, I it's it's a, it, you might as well you know hit up your bookie and cash it then because if they win that game they're winning ten games. Um, so I'd go with those two honestly. Uh, Texas and USC. As much as I hate, I think USC's back. I think both those teams. I think they're back a little bit. Um, so yeah, we got uh, we got some. We got some Homer Homer calls out here. I know we had the Irish, Michigan, and Wisconsin, who I all think it, it's it's not like some absurdist take on those. I think you know Michigan will be interesting again this year. Harbaugh always pulls some shit out of his ass. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be one fucking whale of a season, and that's all I know. Hey, just one thing for uh, everyone to think about: that Texas Alabama game is a fifteen point spread, and Texas is plus five hundred at home. Wow, that's probably that's probably the their their that's probably the biggest they've been as a dog. That might be the biggest home dog they've ever been ever in program history. So think about it. Think about it. Well, all right, fellas. You know we got our little uh, little preseason action in. Um, just for uh, just for the reference, we're getting a getting a full fantasy football hour coming at you this season um ray he is the commish of major league fantasy he will be joining us on that as well we'll be having some different people on um and another thing i want with the fantasy which will be coming uh, as kind of a partner with the normal split and gap show is that um i think you know fan and follower submissions uh is would be huge i think it'd be great if we get a a big, you know, contingency. We got everyone's leagues involved, everyone's bad beats, everyone's, you know, top scores. We got all that kind of going, especially around draft time. Would love to see the drafts. Um, so keep that in mind. We'll we'll uh, be happy to repost to share all that stuff and get this uh, get this fantasy season going, get this NFL season going, and get the greatest sport in America, college football, going. So thank you, boys, for joining. Splitting Gaps is officially back. We're and, back. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs>